Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the sexuality and cancel culture episode. So if that seems unclear, some folks already know what I'm talking about, maybe because they've been through this or they've witnessed other people going through this, but we're going to talk about how social standing can relate to sexuality and dating and self-image. And we're going to talk about, let's see, some of the complex issues or impacts related to a term that I have coined and I encourage you to use, which is cancel bullying. So let's talk about it. Our guest today is Haley Thomas, LPC. Welcome, Haley. Hi there. Hi. Can you remind or inform our audience what LPC stands for? Yes. So LPC is Licensed Professional Counselor. Mm-hmm. And you can contact Haley at chicorycounseling.com. The website is chicorycounseling.com and on Instagram, chicorycounseling. So hi, Haley. Who are you and what are your backgrounds? Oh, this is always a fun question because I am such a sucker for language. I'm like, what kind of background do the people want? So <laughs> I, I'll give you the brief. So my name is Haley Thomas. I am a licensed therapist. Um, I practice in the states of Oregon and now Colorado as well. Um, I am Creole. Or for some people, they understand that as a mixed race African-American person. I am queer, non-binary, multiply disabled, and I am also autistic. And this will come up as we talk, but I am also a former, very devout Catholic and spent the majority of my basically pre-K through college education in Catholic schools that centered around social justice So that very much informs my current views on Mm -hmm. cancel culture and what I notice out in the world. Mm -hmm. I just want to give a nod to our previous episode. So the previous podcast was Strange Bedfellows, and we were talking about gambling addiction. And I do recall in our time since then, you said that you've adjusted or altered some of your stances. Is there any clarification or anything you want to comment on our previous episode five years later? (laughs) Five years is such an interesting (laughs) chunk of time to consider. So one adjustment that I have made both in my personal life and clinical practice, just because I like to have as much continuity as possible and how I present in both of those contexts and how I think in both contexts, I talk with people about gambling, alcohol use, other substance use any sort of thing that someone is finding is causing trouble for their personal life or in their relationships as just that, as a relationship. So I give people a lot of space for my folks who identify as addicts. I don't correct that for my folks who say, hey, I have an unbalanced relationship to gambling or alcohol or marijuana or whatever the thing is. That's really the biggest adjustment. I am really not concerned so much these days with, you know, is this an addiction? Is it not an addiction? I'm looking at what's happening in this person's life with this thing present. And it's provided me a really nice opportunity to see my own like position as a therapist in ways that I can reduce shame for people. 
and also being really honest about how the ways in which I use language in my clinical practice can sometimes reinforce shame. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing that I am really, really fascinated by and also trying, trying to keep up with because I imagine five more years from now, I am going to answer this question very differently. (laughs) And I think Mm. that is some of what happens and I think is very relevant to what we're talking about today too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can only know more and try to move forward instead of beat ourselves up for what we didn't know back then. Right. So exactly. So besides what we've already mentioned so far, do you have any other specialized areas of training or focus? Mm-hmm. So my master's degree is in marriage, couple, and family therapy. And what that really means is that I am a systemically trained therapist. So I am always looking at how people's identities, relationship dynamics, decision-making processes, and environments all interact all the time. I'm a really visual thinker too. So I, for whatever reason, envision people often in little spider webs where I'm just looking at like what's over on this end of the web, what things are connected over here. How does it all create a picture and inform a person's understanding of what they are experiencing? Hmm. I had a client last night, a strip club client. Uh, he's, uh, an indigenous man, uh, American man. And he was talking about a healing podcast that, gosh, I'm going to have to try to find it. But he was saying that the writer woman was talking about thinking about the universe in terms of spider webs. So that's Mm. fucking amazing. You just said that now because I I feel (laughs) like synchronicity is happening. So, right. We're all connected. So what does your work look like? What kind of work do you do and how does this relate to our topics today in your opinion? So I view my practice as a living organism. It is always changing. And sometimes those changes I have direct influence over and sometimes the changes happen on their own. So present day, people tend to see me for issues related to grief, racial and sexual identity and relationship problems. I have also started to see more relationship partners where one person is neurodivergent and the other person is not. And I spend a lot of time talking with people about what I talk about as cultural differences in communication between neurotypical people and neurodivergent people. Mm -hmm. And it is a really interesting time also relates to a lot of what we're going to talk about because most of my conversations with clients center around the assumptions that we make when someone is sharing information with us. Hmm. And there is a lot that I have seen in the way of cancel culture around assumptions Mm. and interpretations and projections that people make when someone is talking about something. Mm. That's really, I've had people assume I'm very wealthy and that I've always been wealthy for some reason. Um, And Mm. I've had people try to be like, oh, you need to give over your platform or whatever. And I'm like, I work seven jobs and I have a child. (laughs) Like, what are you talking (laughs) about? Okay. So cancel culture, uh, like, how do we define it? I'm going to give some examples 
So I just typed in cancel culture and let's see what we have. Pew Research Center uh, two years ago says that cancel culture is a movement to remove celebrity status or esteem from a person, place or thing based on offensive behavior or transgression. But a lot of people are not celebrities and yet we see their peers trying to ostracize them from community, get them fired from jobs, prevent relationships, get their children taken away, you know, or just make them feel bad about themselves. Um, And that's why I call it canceled bullying. And that's why it's definitely not specific to celebrities. We're talking about real ass everyday people who don't have power over in many cases. What do you think about that? Right, right. And it's really both interesting and frustrating because when we look at the history of the term cancel culture, there are some people who are very aware of the fact that cancel culture is something that came out of Black queer spaces as a way to, you know, let people know, hey, I'm not okay with your behavior, right? I'm not okay with how you are attempting to do relationships. Something's not feeling right and we need to make an adjustment. Mm-hmm. And Unfortunately, as we have seen, especially throughout the last, you know, let's just let's just do like a briefer snippet of time and Mm -hmm. say like the last three years. Right. Mm -hmm. Or we can even talk about the last decade. We've seen it totally change from something that uh, I want people to envision a lot of like scare quotes, (laughs) a thing that, you know, the right was using to talk down against people on the other side of the political spectrum. And then, you know, within Portland, because that's the space that you and I are so familiar with, really seeing this within group settings, right, where people are using this with just everyday regular folks in a way that goes to this extreme place where there is bullying, there is harassment that's happening, and a definition that I sometimes like to work with, with this current iteration of cancel culture as we know it today, is people voicing an opinion on someone or an organization with the intention of controlling or shaming. Mm. And that's the thing that comes up a lot in my practice, the thing that scares people. Mm-hmm. is that element of control and shame. Mm-hmm. I want to point out something that's really um, key to this for me. I would not have such a big problem with supposedly making people accountable or pointing out their transgressions. But what I see and why I call it cancel bullying is because a lot of time people who are leading these campaigns, it's actually defamation where there's incorrect or misinformation being shared or claims are greatly exaggerated or just straight up lies. And Mm -hmm. this obviously makes it a lot harder to address very real and common and harmful issues like relationship violence, sexual assault, you know, workplace violence. When you have people levying claims against each other, because they want to impact them negatively because of other resentments. So that's mostly what we're talking about today. And that could look like, you know, maybe you're in a new relationship and your ex's ex decides that for whatever reason they're jealous of you or they want what you had or they don't want you to be happy. So 
they say that you molested their child. You know, this is something, this is an example that one of my friends is going through right now. So like what we see sometimes in my social circles is people who try to have a victim status when it's very much not legitimate. Um, I know a person right now who their sex positive venue was receiving bomb threats because a former housemate who was mad about living situation was claiming that they were gang raped by this person and their friends. Um, why would someone do that? Because it's effective because people are believing it. And like, what a horrific waste of time and a suicide risk for people who are targeted. So that's why we're talking about this today. Right. And you, you and I were having coffee and we were doing a check-in because you've seen me also go through it as I've become bigger in my social circles. So arguably like small celebrity status, which yes, does relate Mm -hmm. to the earlier definition, but You know, you've seen like before you even met me, you were warned about me and all of these things that now you're like, I've just never seen Elle behave this way. So there's got to be something to this. And then you said that more people are coming to you in session because they're experiencing this kind of defamation or targeting. So that's why we're doing this episode, because this is a cultural issue that I think is very much at the forefront now, but has maybe always kind of been a thing as long as we've had like capitalism. It is. And the thing that I can say as far as what I notice in client sessions and just in case, you know, anyone has a question about this, I know you've had other therapists on the podcast. Um, Mm. Therapists are allowed to talk about general trends that they see in session. And I, anything that I share today is not talking about any client, like private health information. So I like to be really clear about that, but what Mm -hmm. I have seen is this trend in my practice that for me started around 2020 from people who have either experienced cancellation, people who fear being canceled, and also people who engage in canceling bully, cancel bullying, to use the term that we're working with today. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, every week there's at least one session during the week that centers around this topic. Mm. And sometimes I sit with my own sadness and my own frustration with the ways that people are attempting to relate to each other in really harmful ways. Because what's happened is that people have this fear of social rejection. They are fearing being cut off either from their communities or from their employment or from their families. Mm-hmm. And it's so scary in some ways because it becomes really confusing about who actually holds the power and what the rules are and how to avoid having this happen to you. Mm-hmm. And the thing that is clear, unfortunately, is the punishment, you know, and this is something that I run into as an autistic person where I do not know that I have like broken a social norm until I am being punished for it by Mm, someone. mm, mm -hmm. And so I really tie in a lot of different ways of being in the world into this topic because it is so jarring, especially for people who are trying 
so hard to show up really honestly and authentically in their relationships and to be met with this really swift shunning in some cases, because that's what we're talking about with this emphasis on the bullying piece mm-hmm. is this really swift message, honestly, of being disposable mm-hmm. and having someone say, hey, I do not see value in you or what you're doing or what you're offering in the world. So I'm going to ask for people to not engage with you or, or I'm going to ask for you. your, yeah, or I'm going to hurt you. Or I'm going to try to find a way to make sure that you are not employable mm-hmm. for some, you know, either for the foreseeable future or indefinitely. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, people are scared. Mm-hmm. And I also want to point out that something that's been helpful for me when I am experiencing conflict with another person is I ask myself, does this person want to solve this issue and make things better? Or do they really just want to stick it to me in any way they can? (laughs) Is there any possible outcome that could please this person? Or does the goalpost keep moving? So hopefully we give some kind of uh, validation to people who've been through this, didn't have language for it, and maybe some tips and advice for dealing with these things. Uh, Because again, cancel bullying is a suicide risk and people are already struggling for connection and resources. Post-pandemic, I would say arguably more than ever in our modern, in our lives. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways that we can identify cancel culture or tactics do you think Mm. so there's a series of questions that I pose to clients and that I also pose to myself (laughs) to identify things that are either in the realm of cancel culture or that are just full-blown like this is a bullying situation Mm -hmm. so I go back to that earlier definition that I used, right? So when someone is telling you about a person, a relationship, are they talking with the intention of fixing something, solving something, Mm. or are they talking with the intention of controlling or shaming that person? Oh, yeah, that's kind of similar to what I just asked myself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. We're off to a good start. That's <laughs> why I was nodding my head really aggressively when you were saying that, because I'm like, yes. Oh, thank goodness. And this is another acronym that I know you are familiar with, and some of your audience may also already be familiar with, but that acronym of WAIT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why am I talking? Mm-hmm. Why am I talking? Because there's also a difference between someone venting you know, when they're frustrated with someone, oh, I can't believe so-and-so did X, Y, or Z again. I hate it when they do that. Versus someone saying, I can't believe this person did X, Y, or Z. And how I'm going to do something about it is, you know, launching into this harassment campaign, Mm -hmm. right? I'm making my burner accounts They've blocked me. I'm making another one, right? We're going into behavior that is not just venting anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a little so, obsessive. There's yeah. like 
there's some obsession that happens. Yeah, there was um there was a gal on Twitter. I mean, she exists in the world, you know, obviously, but I'd never met her before. And I remember she started sending me links to like things where my name was mentioned and stuff. And she's like, explain yourself. And I was like, LOL, like, who are you? And that was a bad reaction because that kicked off. It's been, I think, three years of pretty constant defamation. I don't know what I did to piss this lady off so much. Um, but I did see someone cause I just blocked her cause I don't go looking for these people, but someone sent me something where she was like, I got Elle Stanger fired from her club. And I'm thinking, no, you didn't. But she said it was her greatest uh, accomplishment for the year. And I thought, well, that is incredibly mm-hmm. telling. And then in the next post later, she's like, I'm broke. And I'm like, well, yeah, you wasted all your time rage posting about me. <laughs> So it's not good for anybody. There's there's an unhealthiness that impacts all of us and we want more of us to be well. So as someone who as someone who can be a jealous person or can uh, be an obsessive person, I really encourage people to look hard in the mirror if you have ever started to go down this rabbit hole of obsessive aggressive behavior when maybe that's just maybe some emotion that could be displaced or moved to something more appropriate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is another piece that I like to use. And this is, I will (laughs) do a little disclaimer, right? Language is always changing. And I like to look at, again, intention behind the language that someone is using. And a question I ask is, Is a person using language to connect to a person and to affirm their humanity, or are they using language in order to demonize, punish, or ostracize a person? Because Mm -hmm. that has its own flavor to it, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I have experienced for myself when I have had people in my life who were telling me, you know, about other people who they weren't happy with. And I started mm-hmm. to recognize, oh, this person has a story about this other individual that may be in some cases really outdated. You know, mm-hmm. to your point, I'm thinking about that person who's been harassing you for three years. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't know what kicked that off for that person, but mm-hmm. we do know that that person isn't interacting with you the way that, you know, I'm interacting with you right now. You and I mm-hmm. have a friendship, a relationship outside of this where I feel really confident about your character. I know how you interact, you know, to mm-hmm. a degree within your relationships, how you've interacted with me how you've interacted with some of your partners, both current and previous. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. Are those mm-hmm. assumptions? Is someone making assumptions about a person? Do they have current up-to-date information? Mm-hmm. Because people change. Mm-hmm. So I interrupted you earlier and we will take a break soon, but you said you have a list that you ask yourself or your clients. Did we get through that? Um. I will do one last point before Mm -hmm. the break and it'll end out the list. (laughs) Perfect. So another way to identify cancel culture and cancel bullying tactics is when someone is confronting you. 
are they asking you to give up your autonomy in order to atone for a perceived or actual incident of harm? Mm, In other words, do you have a choice? Because if you are being told you either need to do things this person's way or the relationship is over or there's going to be some sort of punishment that extends well beyond the confines of whatever your relationship is to that person, Mm -hmm. that is one of my big uh, tells that I look for. Perfection, expecting perfection is another form of fascism and Mm -hmm. we are all problematic. So, uh, actually, Ooh, here's one more thing before we take the break. So I asked my Instagram audience, that's at stripper writer. I said, how does cancel bullying or defamation impact your sexuality or dating? So I read you react. There's a few responses Mm. here. Someone says, when I see it in others, it's a huge turnoff. It's a big red flag signaling, see what they will do to you if you have a messy breakup. Yeah. Yeah. Someone says, cancel bullying activates my RSD hardcore. Mm -hmm. What does that stand for? Rejection. Rejection, sensitive dysphoria. Am I getting that right? That's yeah. another one where the language is always changing too, but mm-hmm. we call it rejection sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And autistic people tend to have that more, I believe, right? Yes. So there's really heavy overlap for autistic folks and ADHDers as well. Mm. We literally like struggle with rejection more or we fear it more, some of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if that's because of dealing with so much of it constantly. (laughs) Ah. Probably, probably. All right. Someone else says the queer scene is small and I'm scared to date because it feels like if I do one thing wrong, I will be canceled. Mm. Relatable. Mm -hmm. So again, small or sparse communities can be impacted really heavily. And someone says... Cancel bullying deters me from even wanting to try. I get anxiety because I'm constantly afraid of saying the wrong thing. Mm. So we're really preventing connection by behaving these ways, folks who behave these ways. All right. So take a big, deep breath. We're going to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Write to me, theytalksex at protonmail.com. You can write to Haley. Haley at chicorycounseling.com. Find them on Instagram at chicorycounseling. This is the sexuality and cancel culture episode. Are you still wanting to open your relationship? Whether you're feeling ready or still terrified, I've got a tip for you. Best-selling author, New York Times and NPR contributor, friend, and former podcast guest, Dr. Julie Hamilton, is the expert who helps people open their relationships up without burning things down. Dr. Julie's highly coveted program, The Year of Opening, is for people who are ready for more. To join the waitlist and get first dibs on a one-to-one call with Dr. Jolie at no charge, sign up for free now at theyearofopening.com. 
Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. I'm your host, L. Stanger. Been canceled, I think, for 10 years solid at this point. Only about 10% of the stuff I've been accused of on the internet actually happened. So feel free to ask me what that was. Find me at stripperwriter <laughs> and stripperwriter.com. You've also seen me go through people saying that I'm a violent, transphobic, racist, um, that hits pregnant strippers. And like so many things that I just really grapple with because I don't understand how people can make accusations that I, they know are untrue and live with themselves. I don't act that way. If I have a real problem with someone, I state what they did. And when other people don't seem to think it's a big deal, I get frustrated and then I move on. Uh, yeah. But I don't make shit up, you know? So again, we're all problematic sometimes. And what do you want from people besides learning and growing? Some people really do see an enemy and they want you to die. They want you to suffer. Mm -hmm. They want you to be alone. Um, and, and also as someone who navigates a lot of sexual harassment or assault as a sex worker, you know, as a female person in the world, I have been so deeply distressed by the couple of people I have met, other sex worker women who have mm -hmm. led entire campaigns claiming violent rape against like a photographer who didn't want to publish their photos or a, a client who asked them on a date. Right. There's so much pain and trauma in the world. Why? Why make more? So here we are today. Mm. Uh, so let's do some listener questions and see what else we can dig through, Haley. Okay. So listener question one, how does cancel culture or how and does cancel culture disproportionately affect marginalized people, i.e. do they suffer the most when they get canceled? What do you think? Mm, so the, to me, obvious answer is yes, it can. Emphasis on can. So much of this is dependent again, on that broader system. So where are you geographically? How big is your social network and your community? In other words, how much is there to lose? Because what I have seen is this compounding effect that can happen when a marginalized person is canceled. And this is my own view. This is my own opinion based on my clinical work and also my personal life, what I have seen. So when you have a society that already does not value a person based on any aspect of their identity, and then you have a person or group of people saying, hey, we are canceling this person and the action that we are demanding is social isolation, mm. then yeah, if that happens to a marginalized person who has already probably had to do a lot of navigating and maneuvering within their social context to even get to wherever it is that they have landed, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of people, I'm thinking of one person in particular, and um, this is someone who I know through a friend of a friend who ended up being houseless after getting canceled. Jesus. And this was a person who, you know, grew up in poverty, 
managed to get to what was like a lower slash working class spot and then got canceled due to false claims about their position on capitalism hmm. and they ended up houseless mm. um, for several months mm. and you know, they were suicidal. They almost lost their relationship because their partner did not know what to do mm-hmm. to help them manage their suicidal ideation. They didn't even know how to talk about it. They just went, this is really scary. I am scared. And now we are being targeted. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it can disproportionately affect marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I see um, some kind some kind of competition as to like ju- like justifying like who is the most you know supposedly marginalized or like I have a friend who he's like yes I'm a man but I'm a trans man so to say that I am a man kind of invalidates all of the other shit I have to do and everything I've survived. And so identity markers aren't necessarily the best tool either for determining who Mm -hmm. is right or who we agree with. Uh, Right. Right. Okay. Uh, Listener question two. I actually do not remember sourcing this question. I put it in here, so I must have, but I don't know the answer to this. How do I avoid attracting a person who tends to do damage and be destructive? Mm. So I actually really like this question because it gets my brain going a thousand miles a minute. <laughs> Problem how solved. I, <laughs> how I interpret this question is what do I do once I have realized mm. that someone who is in my social orbit has a tendency toward destructive behavior within relationships? Because there's only so much I think we can do about who we quote unquote attract. Right. Right. Because like, okay, for instance, my own life, there have been a lot of people who have found their way through various means into my social orbit. And I have realized later, like, oh, this person and I are not a good fit. Mm -hmm. We are not compatible um, for a variety of reasons. And I used to have a similar question of like, how do I stop this pattern? And so that's why I think about it this way of like, what do you want to do once you've realized this? Mm -hmm. So one thing that you can do is ask yourself, what are, what are my choices, right? What do I want to do now that I've realized this? Is this a person who I want to have in my life? And if so, in what capacity? Or if this is a person who you do not want to be engaging with, how do you want to, you know, compassionately and respectfully dip out? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And this is something that's complicated, too, because I see this in extremes sometimes where some people seem to have this idea that everyone needs to get along with everyone and like everyone. And that is... No, not the case. No, it is absolutely okay to not like people. It is absolutely okay to go, you know, the way that this person 
does conflict um, or does confrontation doesn't match my own style. And so I want to, I want to not engage. Right. So other things you can do, right. Look at how do you feel when you're around this person, right? Do you feel calm and steady? Are you enjoying them? Or do you feel worried? Because if you feel worried, you know, when you're around them, especially if you're worried about becoming a target, Mm -hmm. Well, then we start talking about how do you protect yourself? How do you start to create that distance? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in some cases, depending on what kind of um, damage the person is doing, like if we're talking about abusive, outright abusive behaviors, Mm -hmm. right, getting out of there, right? You know, we talk about cutting off. In some instances, if someone is being violent and harmful, um, it's okay to not have a sit down conversation where mm-hmm. you're like, hey, you scare me when you, you know, <laughs> X, Y, and Z behaviors. But if it's something else, right, if it's not outright abusive behavior mm-hmm. um, and it does seem like it would be a person who you would either want to or would feel comfortable with letting them know, like, hey, I have you know, I've really enjoyed these aspects of our friendship or our relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing some incompatibilities and I'm not in a spot where I want to try to problem solve that with you right now, but I also don't want you to feel like I've just ghosted you out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. right? I've had people who sometimes do that, but that's why I go back to that idea of choice. What do you want to do? What options are available for you? What can you identify for yourself mm-hmm. once you have noticed this? Because people do get better at pattern recognition once they start asking themselves these questions. Mm-hmm. See, this is why I wear headphones in the dressing room sometimes because I'm like, oh, that person's shit talking again or stirring crap. Like, at mm-hmm. least if they think I can't hear them or I can't hear them, then it's easier for me to not be involved in any aspect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I got so many flashbacks. There was a stripper I worked with for uh, pretty much three, four five years. It was hell. It was hell. I'll say three mm. years, three nights a week. It was hell. She punched the the wall once and she'd already broken a couple mirrors and kicked a bunch of holes in the lap dance room. And she was sleeping with the booking agent, um, which like I was sleeping with a different one, but not ours. But then she ended up tagging the bathroom saying that I was fucking the boss. And I'm like, no, you're fucking the boss. So there was a lot of like deflection. And it was weird because I think the only thing she was mad at is that I simply made more money than her because she would be triggered every time I had a good night. Um and got mad at me when I made business cards. She's like, now I have to do that. I'm like, yeah, I I guess you could. And I just realized like either I work somewhere else or I'm just going to deal with this until this person stops working here. And I'm obstinate as fuck. And also I don't like change. So (laughs) I was determined to not be pushed out of that venue. Um, And this person still has resentment to this day. And actually in during lockdown, they tried to, to, well, they did. They came at me in Instagram comments. They were like, you were violent and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, everything you're listing here is everything you did. So mm-hmm. it's just like, sometimes people are just on a path and there's like, all you can do is try to avoid them. And, and that's really it. Um, right. the question, yeah, before we move on real quick, the question, how do I avoid attracting a person? And you said, uh, you explained how instead, like, here's, 
what you hear, like, what can I do when I recognize this? The way I read that question was, how do I screen for people? Mm, interesting. Who, who tend to do damage and be destructive. I think because I think about that a lot at this point. Um, yep. And I think if it's someone you're dating, I always, when I start dating someone, I ask about their previous relationships and then listen to what they say about how it ended. You know, do they hold any responsibility or is it all blame for the other person? Uh, Because that can be a real red flag when it's always somebody else's fault. Oh, 100%. So listener question three, as a man, as a man, let's assume cis man because they didn't specify, but as a masculine facing person, how to deal with being intensively harassed by an unstable ex? So I think the reason they brought up man is because we tend to take stalking less seriously when it's directed at men. Mm-hmm. and partner violence when it's directed at men. I think we tend to take that less seriously as a culture. And I think that's unfair. Uh, because it is. Yeah. It is unfair. Yeah. And the tie-in that, you know, I can bring in from my clinical practice, which again goes back to me talking about my own practice as a living organism. Mm-hmm. I have no control sometimes over the trends that happen in my practice. but. One thing I'll say is that I really don't like that this is a thing that happens to anyone. I also don't like that when men experience this kind of harassment, that people have a tendency to either downplay it or not believe them. Mm -hmm. At this point in my clinical work um, going on, I want to say seven years at this point of clinical practice total. Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked with a lot of men who have experienced domestic violence and Mm. stalking and harassment. Mm. And it is so unfortunate to hear about the relationships that they have lost as a result of people not believing them, Mm. the trickle down effects of trust being broken when they have gone to their social network Mm. and said, you know, like, Hey, like things went south with my ex. And now this thing is happening and it's been going on in some cases for years. And the level of vulnerability that it takes for some men to recognize for themselves that they are uncomfortable Mm -hmm. Um, and then to recognize, right. That if the roles are reversed, we know how it's talked about when men engage in these behaviors. Um, and it's also really interesting too, because I've even experienced this in settings with other therapists where I'll bring up my men clients who have experienced domestic violence and they don't want to hear about it. Wow. Are these women or men? These are uh, women therapists who go, I, you know, I don't want to hear about it. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. It's a man. He's fine. Ah! And this is, you know, obviously not all people are like this, but just that reminder that these scripts are so ingrained that even some therapists don't want to talk about when harm happens to men. Mm-hmm. And right? This doesn't take away. So to get back to this question, right? Like, so depending on what kind of harassment is happening, 
if this is an ex who this person has the ability to not be in contact with, mm-hmm. going no contact, right? Um, if there is harassment happening over social media, um, blocking burner accounts, if this person has the capacity for it and wants to have this available as an option, create that folder mm-hmm. of screenshots, yep. documentation, because depending on where you live um, and your own level of comfort interacting with law enforcement, there are some cases where you can qualify for protective orders. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are instances where protective orders don't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about how I recently moved from Portland, Oregon to, I guess, rural adjacent uh, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And the town that I live in, protective orders are a thing. There's also um, the option to have someone ticketed for harassment. And law enforcement is pretty honest about the fact, at least in the town I live in, that, you know, ticketing someone for harassment, it's just a fine. So it might send a message to some people or it might just Um, piss them off more. It might just piss them off more. Mm -hmm. It might not have the effect that you're hoping for. Mm -hmm. Another option. And this is one where, you know, we don't have control over what other people do, but in harassment situations, it is reasonable to request of your social support network that they not share any information about your life with your ex, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And that's mm-hmm. a request. You're not saying you can't do this. You're not trying to control people's own decision-making, mm-hmm. but for the people that you trust mm-hmm. saying, hey, if you happen to still run in the same circles as so-and-so, I would really appreciate you not telling them about, you know, where I work or that I've moved or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'll say, because, you know, without the additional context, if this is someone who you have to be in contact with, right, I'm thinking about how this happens, right, with like co-parenting mm. or other situations where you have a continued connection to the person that you really cannot get around. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a resource that I know we'll talk about later, um, but the website is called Out of the Fog, a disclaimer that this is a site that is centered around support for family and friends of people uh, with personality disorders. Mm. I am not diagnosing anyone. It is actually unethical for therapists to diagnose people who are not their clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, So can't comment on that. Mm -hmm. Also, Mm -hmm. that's a whole conversation for a whole other day, but there are Mm -hmm. some really nice resources on that site. I believe it. What to do. And what not to do if you are in a situation where you are unable to avoid contact with someone who engages in harassment. Okay, that's a really helpful resource. And um, I'm definitely going to look that up because everything else you mentioned, I've done. And then yeah. more. <laughs> that, those are conversations I have pretty commonly where I'm like with a coworker or someone, I'm like, 
oh, I see you're doing that big photo shoot event. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I actually have been experiencing X, Y, and Z from this person for a while. Can you just do me a favor and like not say anything about me? Or if I come up, can you just not say anything about me? Because I'm I'm scared, you know? Um, (laughs) And then based on how people react really tells me like who is safe or not. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So... Listener question four, uh, this person says, I would like some help navigating a, so we won't cancel each other, right? Convo with an anxious partner. I've actually never had that converse. No, that's not true. That, uh. So real quick, I'll just say when I start dating people, I, if anything, I've mentioned that I don't talk shit on my exes because I think it tends to be a bad look for me. Um, with like my personal brand or whatever. Um, so it's just not something I have any interest in. But again, if that's something you've never done before, then you can tell the anxious partner, like, I've never done that before and I'm not going to do it with you. What do you think? Mm, I love that answer. I love how, uh, for someone like me who is very wordy, I love how brief that answer is. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. (laughs) You know, that just confirmation of like, hey, I've never done that and I'm not about to start with you. Mm -hmm. So this is another one of those questions, though, that I reframe in my own head of instead of so we won't cancel each other, right? I translate this as how do we want to engage with each other when we inevitably experience conflict? Mm. Something important to remind people of conflict is a normative part of relationships. Mm -hmm. It is a normative thing. Conflict is different from fighting. Okay. And They're two different conversations for that reason. When I work with people either in relationships, um, so like when I'm working with actual partners who are doing joint therapy together or individual people who are talking to me about relationship problems, Hmm. I do a lot of demystifying what conflict even is with people. Hmm. And that reminder, and this is going to be a traffic metaphor. I'm so sorry to anyone who's like rolling their eyes right now, but you know, (laughs) when you're trying to turn and someone's trying to merge into the same lane, you might have that moment where one person realizes, oh shoot, I either need to speed up or slow down to make room for this Mm -hmm. other person so that we can both safely make this turn and you figure it out right? There's that respect of we're each in our little vehicles. We're both trying to go to the same place and no one's honking their horn. We're just maneuvering, right? And trying to read each other. Oh my God. So I don't know if you'll believe this too, but remember earlier I said that I was talking to a nice man and we talked about the spider Mm -hmm. web reference. So Mm -hmm. I shared this example last night, which is basically kind of what you just said, how I've been thinking for a couple years because I drive a lot and I also talk to people a lot about sex and I think about relationships a lot, how using your blinker is a Mm -hmm. request. It is, you know, a request to do something and some people won't see it because of their own distraction. Some people will see it and give you the request, you know, move over, slow down, whatever. Some people will see it and because of their own shit, not 
give mm-hmm. it to your request and be like, no, fuck you. I'm going to like make it harder for you to merge or whatever. Um, and I have my own opinions on people who drive aggressively as a form of uh, building up their own low self-esteem. Um, and I just find that to be so true. And I know some people don't drive, but you can imagine what we're mm-hmm. talking about. So again, I think we're in the right place at the right time. Thank you, universe. Yeah. <laughs> it feels good. It feels good. And just to give that other definition. So this is how I think about fighting. And this is a definition of fighting that came out of a conversation with one of my previous supervisors. Fighting is something that happens when one or more people are attempting to impose their values or beliefs on the other person with zero room for negotiation. Hmm. So you imagine this, right? If we want to talk about traveling down a sidewalk, that thing that happens when you might bump into someone. Oops, pardon me. If the other person, yeah, right? If the other person, you lock eyes and instead of sidestepping, that person actually just stops and stands right in your way, right? And gets big. That's that like, I'm not moving. That's Mm -hmm. that really intensive, I am right, you are wrong, how dare you kind of feeling Mm -hmm. that a lot of people are familiar with. And that's different from conflict. Mm -hmm. That is really intense. In some instances, that's where it gets really, really scary. But I've noticed a lot of people conflate the two. And it is really unfortunate that we have what I believe is a larger cultural problem of not knowing how to do conflict and therefore being conflict avoidant. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when someone is using tactics from cancel culture and cancel bullying, it's usually not about whatever the thing is. Mm. <laughs> that they're voicing there's something else mm-hmm. and so I don't know this for certain but I have a little theory mm. I have a little theory that sometimes people will make up or exaggerate a claim in an attempt to rectify something smaller that may have happened either with whoever the target is or someone who reminds them of another person who hurt them in a different way. Mm. And it doesn't justify it at all. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I am constantly trying to think about because as much as I wish this dynamic didn't exist, I do want to be thinking about how I talk to people who engage in cancellation, because sometimes those people do show up in my practice and sometimes they disclose, hey, I've treated someone this way. Mm. And I don't know if it was the best thing for me to do, or I feel kind of bad about it, or I'm trying this thing and it's not working. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my own thing is I'm constantly trying to figure out how do I talk mm-hmm. to people who are experiencing it. Mm-hmm. but also people who are enacting it. Mm-hmm. I try to check in with the, I would say the five to 10 people in my life that I consider myself like very more close to. 
Mm, these aren't people that tend to exaggerate claims, but I can think of one person dear to my heart that when they start getting really amped up, they do start speaking in like broader terms. And I will very gently question, did they, is that what actually happened? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And that's a really tough thing to do because people feel when they're worked up, they don't want to feel invalidated, even if what they're saying is not exactly actually accurate they still don't want to feel invalidated for the emotions they're feeling so it can yeah of feels, course feels tricky so let's take another nice big deep breath and break everybody go to uh it is not cancel culture specific but you can check out chicorycounseling.com do you do digital appointments or just in person yep so i am actually all telehealth all the time um Thanks to the pandemic, I made that change. And it turns out that that is a way friendlier format. I actually think people are getting way better therapy from me mm. these days since I went on telehealth. So mm, that's where good. you can find me good. serving that's people across the entire state of Oregon and now Colorado as well. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Rate or review this podcast where you listen, Apple, Spotify, anywhere else. We love that five-star rating when we can get it so we can reach as many people as possible. It was really cute. So the man I've mentioned twice, and he's definitely listening to this. I won't say his name, but it starts with an R. You know who you, know who you are. Um, he, he told me, uh, he said he really likes my my stuff because, and I said, can I ask why? Because I need, you know, I like feedback and also I'm really mm -hmm. good at constructive criticism. So tell me what you think I should do better. And he said, your messaging is like feminism, but it's like inclusive. <laughs> I'm like, oh, baby, that's the goal. <laughs> so thanks for being here, people. We're always trying to do better. I mean, I'm just doing this show because I want us to have safer, happier lives. You know, that's what I want for myself. Mm -hmm. That's what I want for everybody. So thanks for listening. We'll be right back to They Talk Sex podcast. What's an easy tip to make sex even more sensational? Add lube. Aqua lube adds the right amount of smoothness for any moment with gentle ingredients in a base of pure water. Aqua lube is also condom and toy safe. It's pH balanced and easy to clean up. Have good clean fun with Aqua lube today. Use promo code 20 aqualube on Amazon for 20% off your lube purchase through June 27th. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. This is the sexuality and cancel culture episode. So talking, talking, talking about each other can prevent people from healing and forming connective relationships and bettering the world. Really quick, um, I know we're like already, it's, it's such a full long episode already, but I just want to jam one more thing in there. Um, how do you feel about impact versus intent? Because I know it's unpopular, but I am an intent person, not an impact person. And here's why. Mm -hmm. Here's why. So if somebody accidentally hurts my kid, you know, that is different than someone murdering my kid. So I would be upset either way, but the way I would feel about the person would make a difference to me. Um, or here's a way softer example, someone who bumps into me accidentally while walking and it upsets me because I'm triggered. That is different than someone who actually like purposely hit me when I'm walking or moving around the world. So the way 
once I have clarity on what the situation is that can help me deal with it or decide how I feel about dealing with it. And I try to not get too hung up on the actual impact because focusing on intent helps me understand what's going on and how I can heal from it or interact or avoid that person. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think it's honestly up to each individual person because something I appreciate about this question and that I have noticed, I think about social circles I have been in over the years where people wanted me to have one set way of thinking about impact versus intent. And the reality for me is that it depends on their relationship Hmm. to the person. Hmm. And I want that flexibility for myself. I want other people to have that flexibility for themselves. So I tend these days to, I think, fall a little more in line with how you were just talking about it. But also for me, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep bringing up autism because it's just constantly on my mind. It's, it's almost like it's a part of you. <laughs> it's almost like it's a part of me. Exactly. Um, but for me, as someone who has so many questions about why people interact with me the way that they do. Sometimes, just like what you were saying, finding out a person's intent will sometimes soften my own reaction toward the person. Mm-hmm. And then there are other times where, depending on the relationship, I might not care about the intent, especially if it's a pattern of a larger problem, the impact might have more uh, weight. Mm. So this is. This is my own, my own little thing of like, I think it's great to have the flexibility. Mm. Um, I don't think it's a one size fits all situation. That makes sense. So what else, anything you would like to talk about before we start to bring the episode to a close? Yeah, this is something that we already touched on, but a reminder for people, language is always changing. And given that a lot of canceled bullying, I see it take place around the language that people use. Mm. When we get so consumed by the terms and the language that people are using to describe themselves and their own experiences, we miss an opportunity to connect with that person. And to understand that person. Mm-hmm. So I really like to find ways to maintain my own curiosity about the world. And I'm thinking about this even more now, living in what is a very small town, uh, smaller than any town I've ever lived in. Town <laughs> is under, we are under 16,000 people. Oh my God. In town. And guess what? Um, my neighbors are all really different. And probably for the first time in my life, I am used to being in environments where people shared most, if not all, of my political beliefs. Mm. And I don't live in that kind of environment anymore. And community is really important to me. So I'm having to renegotiate a lot of my old ideas. Mm-hmm. about language because I want to have a chance to connect. 
I don't want to miss out on relationships that could be really meaningful and impactful for me. And you can teach each other. Just, yeah, right. And that's how that that's how that change can happen sometimes for folks when we have that curiosity. So that's my little plug. Stay curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, please, mm-hmm. seriously, if you can find that little shred of curiosity where you can ask someone a good natured question, you know, in good faith. Hey, what do you mean by that? I want to know more. I heard you use this word. What does that mean for you? Mm-hmm. Ask that. Mm-hmm. And there is life after cancellation, people. I, yes. I promise you. You might have to get creative. Um, <laughs> you might have to get creative and you might have to make some adjustments in how you work or who you hang out with, but it's doable. And if nothing else, I just don't want to give satisfaction to people who want to end me, you know, like, no, no, (laughs) I have, I have some cool shit I want to do. So absolutely not. Um, and also I want to mention some of the people who have been really helpful for me surviving cancellations and also helping other people survive them. Because Mm. when I started trying to figure out what was going on, why are people lying about me trying to get me fired from jobs or gigs or, you know, prevent my relationships? Why is this happening? I thought it was just me. And I spent a lot of time talking to my therapist, like, am I a terrible person? Why is this happening? So some of the resources that have helped me understand that it's not just me. They're, these are cultural issues that are really coming to a head, I think, for many different reasons. Uh, I really like Bibi Montoya, who is out of Portland. Uh, Africa Brooke. I found them a couple years ago. I found her a couple years ago. Juniper Cameron is great. Uh, they talk a lot about interpersonal relationships and revolutionary strategy around them. Clementine Morgan, I've definitely talked to Clementine Morgan on this show before, and her partner Jay, whose last name I don't know how to say. I'm so sorry, but I'll put all of this in the uh, in the episode notes. So if you're struggling or if you know people who might need resources, definitely check those folks out. And what books or resources or websites do you recommend, Haley? Yeah, so we already covered one earlier called Out of the Fog. That is great for tips on how to either disengage or find creative ways to engage with folks who are engaging in uh, harassment um, or uncomfortable behaviors. I also really like We Will Not Cancel Us, which is a book by Adrienne Marie Brown. Mm -hmm. Got it. I have it. Another one. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good one. Another one is called Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism by Amanda Montel. That one I recommend to anyone and everyone who will listen. That one will give you a lot of tips for how to identify language that is asking for you to view the world in binaries and to potentially cut off from people who do not view the world in that specific way. Talks a lot about social media, talks a lot about the new age movement, workout spaces. There's a lot in there um, that I like for how to identify language. Mm. And the Gray Area podcast, I believe I want to say the host's name is Sean Illing. That is another nice resource for how to think about things with a bit more nuance. Mm. And then a last book I'll mention, and it's kind of, I'm I'm laughing to myself because I believe that this person may or may not have become more controversial. I'll put that in scare quotes over the years. Mm. Um, But 
The book is called The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Religion and Politics. Hmm. And that is by Jonathan Haidt, who is, I believe he's a social psychologist who focuses in morality. I was exposed to that book when I was an undergrad in college, and it really helped me start to think a little bit more about the conversation between liberals and conservatives and going beyond those labels to see what are the values that people are differing in Mm -hmm. when they attach themselves to certain labels and what is the conflict actually about. So Mm. all of these, obviously, you know, Mm -hmm. I am not endorsing any particular person. Mm -hmm. I am just saying these are things that I have read that have helped me start to form my own thoughts outside of any pre-prescribed idea that Mm -hmm. I've ever been given Mm -hmm. about how to relate to people. Mm -hmm. Take what you need and leave the rest. I don't remember the origin of that, but... Yeah, it's fair. It's like, obviously, I mean, who's going to agree with someone all of the time? Yeah, it's not realistic. It's not realistic. I don't agree with my child all of the time. I don't agree with my (laughs) beloved partner all the time. I don't agree with me all of the time. You know, like we've already said on this show, like we've gone back and be like, I don't feel that way anymore. Or I know more now. So to expect to get along with someone and agree with everything they say is just not like even mathematically possible, really. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so don't be afraid to disagree with people once in a while, but in healthy ways. So thank you so much for being here. I hope this episode gives resource to people. And oh, lastly, I ask every mm-hmm. guest, do you have any sex tips for our audience? Yes. Allow yourself to experience your partner or partners as they are right now while you are interacting with them. And I say this because I think of a lot of people who have had partners who have been canceled, who have had either false claims brought against them, or who have had old relationship conflicts brought up as a way to try to interfere with the current relationship. If you have a good relationship with your partner, you're both allowed to have that, okay? I firmly believe people need people and people deserve to have really meaningful, fulfilling relationships and sex lives. Mm -hmm. So if you know your person, you know, your own individual sex life with that person, Mm -hmm. you're allowed to enjoy that. Um, You're allowed to enjoy that. And I know that's not specific to like, this do this sexy thing and it'll be really nice for you both (laughs) this is more of a broader thing of what you were saying there's life after cancellation Mm -hmm. there's also life if you have canceled someone if you are able to you know atone for that in whatever way has made sense for you and your specific actions you are allowed to grow Mm -hmm. you are allowed to have a meaningful healthy safe sex life after that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's all people change mm-hmm. meet yourself where you're at meet your partner where they're at change is the only constant in so many cases mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here and just as a last remark um to any of my haters but like no really folks like <laughs> like you don't want your enemies to suffer you want your enemies to heal because then they will 
contribute or if not contribute to a healthier society, they just won't be causing harm out of their own discomfort or like negative spaces. So that's what I want to say. I really want that to be clear. Like I don't wish bad on anybody who's done me harm. And I've actually gotten a couple of comments from people who wrote to me that they were like, hey, I canceled you back in 2019 because I hopped on the bandwagon. I feel bad about that now. Best wishes. And that means a lot too. So you can do that for folks too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What a world we live in. Thanks for being a part of it. Mm -hmm. Haley Thomas. Thank you. Yeah. The sexuality and cancel culture episode. Find me on lstanger.com and I'll see you on Instagram. Until next time.